Welcome to the Medical Receptionist Network podcast show. I'm your host, Siobhan Atkins. Join us as we discuss the importance of clerical and administrative roles and their impact on the healthcare industry. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Medical Receptionist Podcast Show. My name is Siobhan Atkins, and today we're going to talk a little bit about why your office may have not already moved into an electronic medical record system or why some offices have not taken the plunge. So before we get started, I'm just going to mention that Medical Receptionist Network offers medical receptionist training online. Uh, We have a training course available Right now, you can visit our our website at medicalreceptionistnetwork.com. We also have the Medical Receptionist Handbook to Success, which I definitely recommend for any medical receptionist in the field currently, any aspiring medical receptionist or any, you know, someone who's been in the field for a long time. It's a great refresher. Um, It also provides a lot of information for new and beginning medical receptionists. So I definitely encourage you to, to check that out. Um, We also have a few articles on our website and this lovely podcast, which you can find on your favorite podcast outlets, including Google Play, your Apple Store, and Stitcher, Podbean, and I'm also publishing the video on YouTube now, so you can check it out there as well. So you can check out the Medical Receptionist Network channel on YouTube and subscribe because we will continue to post the podcast moving forward. So our topic of today, why hasn't my office moved to an electronic medical record system? Well, I've been using electronic medical records for quite some time now, but I have also worked with offices that did not and were not completely sold on moving forward with it. And some of the reasons that is, a lot of times change is a struggle for some people and they're just not interested in going into something that's going to change how their office runs. You know, if you have a well-oiled machine or something that's been working for quite some time, you're not going to be as excited to move into that regardless of the regulations or the incentives that may be out there for you to switch or, you know, just because of the impact that it's going to have on your patient care, the time with your patients, what you need to do regarding your staffing. So for some offices, uh, one issue may be the cost. Moving into an electronic medical record system is not always a feasible decision for some medical practices. And it is not a, a small undertaking. It's not, you know, you pay one and done. You're, it's something that you have ongoing fees for. You may have to make changes in your staffing. Um, For some places, they may need less staff, but for many, they, especially initially, they may need more. And you're spending a lot of time with your training, uh, with, you know, the transition and having to reduce your schedule and how many patients you can see per day, how many patients each provider can see per day, and overall that affects the bottom line. So sometimes an office may say, you know what, this isn't worth it to us. And if there is any penalty, you know, especially if you accept government uh, insurance plans and policies, you may rather, you know, deal with that than have to make such changes with your office. And sometimes some Practitioners, maybe they plan to retire in the next few years or close their practice or sell their practice, and they're just not willing to make that change right now. 
It doesn't necessarily have to do with age of, you know, the physicians who may not be interested. Sometimes it just has to do with the workflow because, you know, there's older providers, younger providers who all may feel the same. Um, that's part of it. You know, there may be, there's a small percentage who have been, you know, practicing for 50 years. They maybe just do not want to make this change towards the, the tail end of their career. So sometimes, you know, office managers may encourage it, practice administrators may encourage it because they know that there are benefits on the other side. And in the long term, having things backed up and not having, you know, paper charts and so, so much uh, paper all over. And it just makes it easier, you know, to keep things in one place and accessibility when you have to uh, send information to referring providers, distributing medical records, there is sometimes this fear of going fully paperless. And paperless isn't always paperless. You know, depending on what your practice offers to your patients, you may still, you know, have uh, a system that you can do your billing on. Obviously, it's going to be electronic, but they just haven't switched their their clinical section over, or they they're doing some of their clinical tasks in the system and other things, they still have a lot of uh, paper transfer. So you still have, you know, that mix in your office and there's still a lot of scanning that needs to be done. There's still a lot of, um, you know, faxing and, and things like that. So it depends on what type of system they choose, what are the functions that are most important for what your medical facility offers to your, you know, your patients and your clients. So also, the, the time, the time with patients is huge. Sometimes you find that you go into your doctor's office and their turn, their back is turned to you and they have to, you know, type things into the computer. And some people don't, you know, some uh, medical practices don't want to lose that personal touch that they have with their patients and facing them front and being able to speak to them and, you know, see their expressions and, and just have that, you know, that connection. So it's not always very appealing. So if they do take on an electronic medical record system and they don't want to change that, they end up leaving the room and then creating the note that in the past they've been able to handwrite. Handwriting is going to be much faster for most than having to type in or dictate into a system. So sometimes it's just more of how is this going to affect how we treat our patients, how our, our patients view us. And the staffing requirements, uh, while that is another financial concern, it's a concern as to whether your your staff is going to respond well to the change or not. If you're going to need more people to, you know, do you have the space for more people? Can you accommodate the requirements of the system? Are you is it going to cause you to have to lay people off or fire people? You know, so that's a great concern for many practices when it comes to using electronic medical record systems. Another thing, there are, you know, tons of benefits because when you switch to the electronic medical record system, there's some things that just become easier, sending prescriptions to pharmacies and being able to cross-reference at whether a patient is receiving multiple prescriptions from multiple providers. So that's a benefit. You know, as we mentioned before, the record keeping itself. You know, you have the records, they're generally going to be backed up elsewhere, whether it's a server on-site or off-site. And, you know, unfortunately, when we're seeing uh, as it's hurricane season and we see such, such devastation that's happened, you know, healthcare is one of the biggest things that people need. And healthcare providers are, are the, the ones that are going out, you know, to try to help those who are in need. So imagine being in an area 
Um, and some of you may have gone through this depending on where you are, where your office or your area has been devastated by, you know, a tragic event. And if you're fully on a, a medical record system that's all paper, you know, you may really be in quite a situation there if you lose everything. So the electronic side of it kind of helps with that. And, you know, and it's not just natural disasters. It could be a fire. It could be, you know, just some local flooding or, you know, anything, you know, things happen. And so I think there's an extra layer of protection with using the electronic medical records and actually having that available in some capacity if you go through some kind of horrible uh, event. Being able to share information with referring providers or uh, your radiologies, your labs, you can fax much easier. You can, you know, just the information is right in the system. You find the patient's name, whatever it is, the doctor's orders or the lab orders, and you can, you know, send them wherever they need to go. And then automatically there's a record of that. So there's proof that, you know, there was a request and that you you fulfilled the request. And that's all in there. You're not writing a paper a phone encounter, you don't have to, you know, add that to the patient's chart and it just makes it much easier and it, it, it's a nice workflow. But sometimes, you know, some offices will not uh, make the switch. And if you're someone who is either working in the medical field and you're considering changing a job or finding a new job or, you know, joining as a medical receptionist, as a new medical receptionist, you may find, you know, most offices that you go to We'll have electronic systems and, you know, if you're not familiar with it, you will be trained, you'll learn. And if they don't, I wouldn't say to be afraid of that either, because there are many great offices that just, you know, have made the decision not to switch over. The only advice I could give is to make sure that you're prepared if you move on in the future, that that's probably not going to be the case. But if you can kind of think of the paper chart in reference to an electronic chart, it's the same structure. You're just, you know, filing differently. You're just, um, you know, accessing information differently. So it's not terrible to go from one to the other, um, but just, you know, be prepared that that is probably not going to be the norm moving forward where you're accessing only paper charts and, you know, everything is done uh, by hand. So I wouldn't be afraid of those positions. Um, I remember looking for a position years ago and thinking, you know, I went to an office in their system. It wasn't an electronic system, but it was very old. It was something I may have worked with, you know, six years prior. And it, it scared me because I felt like, oh, man, I'm going to be taking a step back if I accept this position because now I have to go back to using, you know, an old system. And for me, that wasn't something that I wanted to do. However, if you haven't had the experience getting in there and learning how, you know, to manage between patients and providers and communication with your patients and providing good customer service is more important than, you know, where the records are going and how they're coming and how they're coming out, because that is something that you can learn. So I wouldn't be too afraid of it. Obviously, you know, we have, we're in a time of technology, so there's so much uh, to learn and there's so much available for us. And it's great if you have that opportunity to learn that, because most likely we're not going to go backwards. We're going to keep moving forward. And that's the direction we're going in. So I'm going to read a quick excerpt from the book on how prepared are you? I think this is a great time to, to get into that. And these are just a few questions that I have in the medical receptionist handbook 
to success because it just, you know, it's just a reminder, you know, if you've been working somewhere for years and, and uh, you know the ins and out, things don't change very often, but you never know uh, what you may need to be able to put your hand on or have access to. So a few of the questions are, have you read the emergency policy from your employer? If the answer is no, you should ask for a copy of that. If you know where it is, you should take a, a look at that. Do you know where the emergency equipment is located? That includes first aid kits, flashlights, batteries, things of that nature. If you've ever been in an office where you're working and the power goes out, you need to know right away, you know, power doesn't always go out overnight. You know, you're not always going to get a call at 6 a.m. and say, hey, our, our lights are out. We need to reschedule. We have to close for today. It may be 10.30 a.m. and the power goes out. And that is not always storm related. It may just be something with your the building you're in or, you know, something with your service provider. So you just have to be prepared for that. Do you know where wheelchairs are stored and, you know, the exit plan if you need to evacuate your office that has patients, staff, and, you know, maybe other guests? And can you quickly access a patient's emergency contact? And that's, of course, if, if a problem happens while the patient is still in the waiting room and perhaps you have to request an ambulance or a service to come in to pick this patient up, are you going to be able to hand them off some information? I think we've discussed this before. Are you able to just hand them a sheet of paper that has their name, their emergency contact, um, their allergies, things like that, because they're in your office now and they may not have a little card in their wallet that says, hey, I'm allergic to this, I'm diabetic, I have high blood pressure and things like that. So you want to know, you know, that you can just get that from your system or from their paper chart, right? And make a copy and hand that over to the EMS providers. Do you know how to perform the Heimlich maneuver? That's always important. I've seen it in action in a waiting room. And so you just never know. So it's great to know that. Um, if you don't, I actually have a resource that I'll share in our comments here, as well as in the podcast notes, where you can go online and they have many different training courses, including CPR and things like that. But, you know, even if you're not familiar, look up the technique just so that you can feel confident. If someone's choking, you're able to support them or support, you know, your other clinical staff members in helping this, this person out. Whether it's in, it may be staff, it may be patient, maybe a provider, you never know. And do you know the active shooter protocol in your office? Most offices now have active shooter programs. They have, you know, people come in and talk about it. If not, there is some sort of protocol on file. So just make sure that you reviewed that and you know how you would move forward, you know, if that happened in your office and, and what where the exits are and, and what, you know, if there's emergency buttons and, you know, different things that you're supposed to do, make sure that you are aware of that. It's very important. And so that is all I'm going to say on that. But, you know, there's much more information here in the book for you. Uh, definitely, if you're interested, you can check that out. I also would like to say that we are definitely interested in, in conducting interviews on this podcast. I've been, you know, doing providing information on my own for the most part, but it would be wonderful to really get some medical receptionists on here to talk about their experience. I invite you to email me at info at medicalreceptionistnetwork.com. If you're interested, we can set up a date. It will just do a phone recording. It won't be a video. 
And, you know, unless you're local, you know, to the area, then maybe we could sit, do a sit down. Um, but it would be great to hear about your experiences um, as a medical receptionist. I've had someone recently go into a position and, you know, reach out to me. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear about people that I'm able to to connect with. And, you know, hopefully the book or any other resource that we have is is helping them out. Being a medical receptionist is a very important position. You have a lot of responsibilities and that you have things you have to get done in a day's time. Patients trust you, your physicians and managers trust you and they rely on you. So we just want to keep extending that narrative of how important your position is and that we will we are here to support you. And if there's anything I can do, just let me know. Join us on Facebook, Medical Receptionist Network. Uh, we have a page as well as a group. And uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and continue to listen to our podcast. I'm going to start recording a little more often. So they may be shorter, but definitely getting them out a little more often. And we're going to talk about uh, different things that are going on in healthcare outside of just the front desk so that, you know, we want you to have a well-rounded knowledge and just understand everything that's going on that may affect you, your specialty. And if there's anything you want to hear more about, just let me know. Again, Siobhan Atkins, Medical Receptionist Network Podcast. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Medical Receptionist Network Podcast Show. Don't forget to visit our website, medicalreceptionistnetwork.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. If you're looking for a great resource for medical receptionists, make sure you grab your copy of the Medical Receptionist Handbook to Success available on Amazon. Lastly, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please find us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe today. Until next time, keep being amazing.